You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley again with its big hole, and he's into the open field. One man to beat inside the 10, and Barkley to the end zone, a touchdown for the Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hola, Mike. Hola, everybody. I am coming from Tampa, Florida, where my Tampa Bay Rays have just survived elimination, so I apologize if my voice sounds shot. It's been a long, long week for me between uh, being in Gainesville for the Gator game and and being in St. Pete today for the Rays game, but... uh, I will soldier on like Eli, who only missed one start in 15 years or whatever it was. I will be here to soldier through myself. That's right. And, you know, we're going to recap the uh, the game from yesterday. But, you know, the Giants are on a short turnaround this week. Uh, so they're playing in Foxborough Thursday night at 820, which is probably of all places to play on Thursday night. That's probably the worst. Um, yeah. That I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the NFL doesn't do West Coast, East Coast trips for that game, right? I don't think so. I think they try to avoid it as much as they can. Yeah, so as far as East Coast teams go, that's like the one game you don't want to play, and it's, you know. But, you know, regardless, so the we'll have an episode recorded Wednesday night for your listening pleasure Thursday morning. Um, and as always, all of these episodes are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you know, you name it. Yeah, you know all the things. And where do you find us all on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. And in between now and then, a lot is going to happen because it's such a short week with injuries and, you know, practice notes. So I'm on Twitter, at football underscore grump. And uh, I'll, I'll try and cover as much stuff as I can, uh, news as it breaks and, you know, thoughts. So. And I am, as always, at the Cranky Fan where there's, I don't know, Everything is going on right now. I don't even know where I woke up this morning. I don't even know where I was. So uh, it's an exciting time to be alive, especially if you're me. So um, jump aboard. Follow me on Twitter and kind of come along for the ride for my adventures in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, speaking of fun, uh, we'll change the subject then to uh, yesterday's game. (laughs) The uh, Vikings-Giants game went kind of – pretty close to what we thought it would look like. Um, For me, I thought it was a little bit worse than what I was expecting in terms of not necessarily the score since we were pretty close on that, but uh, just the product that I was seeing on the field seemed very desperate. Yeah, I didn't expect to make uh, Kirk Cousins look like Joe Theismann. That was a little surprising to me. But, uh, you know, we didn't expect the guy would lay an egg the entire season, the rest of his career, and this was the this secondary that could afford him to look a lot better. So uh, unfortunately, as we've been saying all year long, this is a rebuild. And you know, when you have a rookie quarterback who is learning on the job and a defense that's learning on the job, is not the trajectory is not going to go straight up. There are going to be bumps in the road. And Minnesota is a decent team. So I wouldn't take too much out of each individual effort each week of where, you know, where this team stands in the big picture. It's just, we're going to have to live through playing tough teams on our schedule and the bumps of inexperience and youth. Well, I mean, there, there's a couple things with that uh, other than that being totally true. 
there's there's going to be bumps in the road with this rebuild. Um, but I would say that you know Kirk Cousin looks exactly the way I predicted it. You know, he didn't. We, we didn't get beat deep this week. Maybe maybe one or two passes from Kirk Cousins went more than ten yards. I mean, for the most part. We kept that under control, but I mean a complete exploitation of a lack of inside linebackers. Um, you know, Ryan Connolly goes down with an ACL tear. Not a whole lot you can do about that. Uh, Alec Ogletree is a million years old and pulled a hammy, returning a fumble on a play that didn't count. Not a whole lot you can do about that. Tay Davis has a concussion. Not a whole lot you can do about that. What you can do something about is depth. And this team, this franchise, not Dave Gettleman, not, you know, Pat Shermer, not James Betcher, but this team, this franchise, has ignored the linebacker position for like my whole life. Uh, so it's been like a running joke. It's been a running joke on Twitter for years about you know, are we going to draft a running back, uh, a linebacker this year? Well, we haven't done it again. Jerry Reese refused to, li- to draft one of any significance. So yeah. this is where it all comes back and bites you. You try to fix it in free agency well you know our free agent got hurt or, or a trade rather with Ogletree and he got hurt uh and this is where we are you know this is part of the rebuild is a build of a very very important position on the defense yeah and, and you know you look at it and Gettleman actually found a, a really nice steal with the fifth round of the draft who was playing unbelievably well not only the fact that he was starting but that he was playing probably the best linebacker we have um, mm-hmm. So f- from what we were able to see in the short time we had him, and he gets hurt, it happens. But not not having depth, that is because of negligence. And I'm sure there's going to be one or two fans who you know wanted to see BJ Goodson stick around, and I don't really have an answer for that. I didn't think BJ Goodson was so terrible he had to be let go. But you know, it, we're we're talking about one guy here. I mean, you know, right. And here's the thing too. Yes, you can absolutely blame there's no depth on this team, but do not misguidedly place that blame on Dave Gettleman necessarily why there's no depth. He's trying to address it as we speak. And, you know, a guy like Connolly, if he didn't get hurt, would have been like, oh, look at this diamond in the rough we got to rebuild the, the, the linebackers. And that's a Dave Gettleman acquisition. Yeah. So when you're pissed off that we have guys coming off the street who are playing linebacker and look atrocious in, in coverage – that's not a Kettleman problem. This is something that goes back to Jerry Reese. So yeah. just keep that in mind when you're getting all pissed off. Yeah, and if you look at what has happened to this entire roster, there isn't really one position group that's stayed relatively the same. I mean, it's completely overhauled. The, the defensive backfield has, I think, one player that remains from a Jerry Reese roster at this point. I believe so. Yeah. Linebackers has zero, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, defensive line has uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, and I think that's it. Yeah. So the entire defense has one, two players that remain from a Jerry Reese era. And remember, too, that this is not the final product either. This is no. an evolving situation where he's going to flip the roster and probably flip it over several times before you see you know, a playoff-quality roster out there. But you can't just all of a sudden – flip your, you know, snap your fingers and all of a sudden there it is. Of course, yeah. And, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, the worst case scenario is that the depth has to play meaningful snaps and the absolute worst case scenario is that they have to start two of them. So yeah. 
Um, and it was exploited completely and totally. I would have hoped that there would have been a little bit more game planning to have safeties play in some of those cover situations. Uh, but it didn't seem to be. Um, and, and Kirk Cousins may have had like a million yards. I forget how many he had. I'll take a look in a second. But they were all about four, five, six, seven yard passes. Not much more than that. Everything he tried deep was pretty much batted away or defended uh, pretty well. There was a couple of great catches by Adam Thielen. I think a, a pair of them that were just, you know, Adam Thielen being Adam Thielen. But um, for the most but part, the, the, the 300 yards that Kirk Cousins had were all little short, just exploiting that linebacker spot right in the middle. That's that's all it really was. And that's progress. I mean, you know, when you talk about, oh, anything deep was batted away or this and that, that's progress. And, you know... Well, compared to, to week one and two, yeah, definitely. Even week three. Absolutely. And that's what we're trying to do this year is we're trying to say, you know, we're trying to separate between what is noise, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, Daniel Jones all of a sudden is a Pro Bowl quarterback. No, that's noise. Trying to, you know, stop all the paranoia and all the, you know, the sky is falling and say what is actually real things are developing here and real signs of progress. And I think that's one of those signs of progress that – I think the secondary is starting to stabilize a little bit from the free fall it was early in the year. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and even the penalties for that matter are, are you know, being more and more reduced on the defensive side of the ball. And mm-hmm. when I when I watch this game live, um it's a little hard to see, you know, because you're seeing I, I think the biggest thing is I'm okay with the, the five, six yard passes against uh, you know, two scrub inside linebackers. I, I expect that. The missed tackles I was really, really getting pissed off about. And some of that was scrubs. Some of that was, you know, our starters. Um, that can't happen. I, I I want a whole day of just tackling practice after what I saw and what I reaffirmed by watching the, the tape. So, um, Let me ask you something, Grump. Is You know, we're getting now into week five and week six, and we know all offseason – Every team says the same thing. They don't have enough practice time during training camp to really work on tackling. People don't want to get hurt and stuff. Are you noticing this is kind of a a league-wide issue, not just the Giants? And do you notice it's actually getting better as we go, you know, into week five and six and seven? Or are we worse than kind of the, the you know, the trend of the league? I haven't really noticed, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I I, I don't rem- this this year. I don't remember us tackling so bad as we did last week. This this mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I I mean I I think it's kind of a game to game thing. I think there's some truth to what players say about not having time to work on stuff like that. I, I mean I think that's also a little bit of bullshit. I mean how to tackle for the most part is something that you do in drills since you are like three years old. You know, well, I don't think it's a question of knowing how to tackle. I just think it's that it's a repetitive exercise that has to be kind of done over and over again. I think that it's so de-emphasized in, you know, everywhere from OTAs through training camp that I think it's something you just have to keep doing and doing and doing. And the doing and doing and doing happens more and more in just games and not well, okay. in practice. Here, here's where I'll concede that. It's not necessarily tackling. It's It's tackling angles. Um, okay. And these guys who are professionals have been, whether they were or not, you know, whether they've they've been doing this or they've they haven't, they all have the athletic ability up to this point in their life to take a bad tackling angle and still make a tackle. Because in college they were the hottest shit on the team. Now they're in the mm-hmm. pros, and that 
the slightest wrong angle on a tackle and you're burned. And that, that's a lot of what I saw. And it could see on the field, you know, bad angles from DeAndre Baker, Antoine Bethay. I saw a couple bad angles being taken there. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you can work on in practice. I'll concede that. But you don't need to get mm-hmm. actually hit to practice those. You can just go mm-hmm. up and make contact and, you know, that horse shit, like, little hug wrap-up that they do in practice. That can be worked on. Right. And I, I, I hope to see shit like that because, okay, maybe we have the communication now down. Maybe that's not a problem anymore, but now it's more of uh, refining the little things. And the little things mm-hmm. in this league will, will look like big things when they're not done. So. Gotcha. gotcha. Maybe, maybe okay. that's all it is. I don't know. Because when I looked at this, I couldn't really find much of a star on offense, but the defense, there were a couple of players that you know, I, Jabril Peppers, I think, probably played the most monster first half I've ever seen out of a, a player on this team this this mm-hmm. year. Um, he was all over the place, uh, including, I mean, the, the highlight is the forced fumble he had on what was almost a touchdown run. Um, but for the most part, he was everywhere. Um, and it seems like he's finally taking to the system that he was brought in to, to anchor. What do you see... Uh, Grump, the main differences between his play and what Landon Collins brought to the table last year. Uh, pros and cons so far in the first you know, five weeks or so. I think I think Landon Collins is a little bit more. If, I mean, so far. I mean, this is this is a little a little whack for me to to judge Jabril Peppers in his <laughs> second year. Right? Is his second year? I believe second year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His second year in the NFL under a whole new defensive system, right? It's a little whack oh, yeah. to, to judge that fairly, uh, yeah. but but I'm not I'm not necessarily comparing um, apples to apples here, but I'm just kind of like what he brings to the table as opposed to his strengths versus what Landon Collins was bringing here. I mean, we know what the strengths and weaknesses of Collins' game is. What are you seeing here, and do you feel that uh, you know give him a little more time in the system and get a little more you know more experience since it's only the second year that he's, you know, around everything kind of like at least an adequate substitution for him. Well, I mean, I think, I think they're both really aggressive players. I think when Peppers is sure of himself with, I think maybe Collins was sure of himself a little bit sooner. uh, But when, when they're sure of themselves, they are just as aggressive. Um, I think that Peppers is a little bit more athletic um, in the pass coverage side of things, he might just, and, and it might be things that we don't notice because they're just simply not throwing at him because guys aren't as open. And I don't think Landon Collins was horrific in pass coverage either. You know, just just bad enough to get exploited. Um, just bad enough to not to, not making us want to pay the money he got on the open market. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Let's put that way. Uh, yeah, and I, I think I've said that you know multiple times. This was not any sort of uh, lack of interest in keeping Landon Collins or, or thinking that he's not good or not good enough is simply that he's going to cost a lot of money and is this team really going to cough up the dough for a guy who does have the limitations he has on a roster that is not ready to compete yet and, and mm-hmm. I, I correct or not saw this coming long before the offseason started even before the head coaching firings we, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now one of those on our horizon things yeah watch out for it um, I, I, I think that I'm not sure if Peppers brings the same leadership qualities that Collins did in the locker room. I don't really know. Uh, but, 
you know, I, I think he's a little bit more athletic in the back end. I think you can do a little bit more stuff with him. I think he can move into more places. Um, that And that, that's pretty much it. Otherwise, I think they're fairly comparable players. Uh, the difference, the biggest difference between the two of them is the paycheck. Right. And that's something, again, as you're doing a rebuild, you want that flexibility to kind of reshape your roster and having that extra cash for what he brings to the table versus what Landon does is a big difference for this team right now, more so than if this was a playoff contender and they're trying to tweak. I would also say another really big pickup this year, Marcus Golden has been the most consistent defensive player we've had since week one. He sure has. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think he had one sack and one tackle for a loss, but I think he had another sack wiped out by penalty and a half a sack wiped out from penalty. Um, he is, you know, I've been saying it for a couple of years now that the pass rusher that we're missing isn't, you know, it's it's that speed guy. It's that OC Yumanura element that that throws offensive linemen off, that gets them to kick start, kick step too far out, and uh, you know makes them go off false start because they're worried about getting that first kick step to to not let the speed rush go by. Marcus Golden, while he may not be all pro level of you know OC Yumanura speed or you know Von Miller speed by any means, you know he does bring that element to the table and. Adding that to the rotation of power rushers that we have and, you know, hand-fighting specialists like O'Shane Ziminis, you know, just throwing that guy in there and moving him around, it throws offenses off balance, I think. So, you know, I think while this defense has been slowly getting their shit together, on an individual basis, Marcus Golden has been pretty consistent since week one. And I think it's like the first time we've really mentioned him on the show. Which is kind of a travesty on our part. Yeah, that's a fart for us, actually, because you're right. He's been very consistent, very solid. And again, if you are keeping score at home on your Dave Gettleman scorecard, that is a Gettleman acquisition, not a Jerry Reese one. Well, there's not a whole lot of Jerry Reese ones left. Um, I know. Well, that's and that's still our point kind of of, you know, when you're looking at guys that are kind of like, you know, making you, you know, open your eyes and, and you notice, remember where they're coming from. And, and I, I keep going back to the same thing. Cause we hear it all the time still about firing this guy and firing that guy. So, well, I mean here, here we can kind of have a back and forth on uh, the Dave Gettleman decision-making. So uh, Nate Solder had one of the worst games of his career. I would think last week, yesterday mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he looked silly trying to, block some, you know, Everson Griffin, uh, Hunter and them. So my, obviously, uh, there's, there's your clown, your standard clown who thinks that Nate Solder is overpaid and a bad signing and we should have never done it. And obviously there's, there's a million things wrong with that right away. Overpaid. Yeah. You know, from what he's putting on the field versus what he's getting paid, you're not getting an equal trade value for what the contract that he was offered was market value. Someone was going to pay him that much money. We needed a left tackle the most. It had right. to happen. That was that was an inevitability. Um so yeah, okay, Nate Solder played a very bad game. He is about an average to an above average tackle, um, making a lot, a lot of money. Uh but it just is what it is. You know, some weeks he's going to be fine and other weeks are gonna look a little bit like this. Hopefully not this bad again. 
Um, well, this, this is a, this is the second year of his contract, correct? Yes. How long was how long was he signed for? I believe four years. Okay, so we're halfway done with this contract after this year. Yes. I don't think I don't think anybody with a sane brain thought that Nate Solder was the left tackle of the long term future. No. He was not going to be a he was not going to be a cornerstone left tackle for the next decade to bring us to the Daniel Jones coronation as a All Pro quarterback or whoever that quarterback would be in the future. He was someone that they needed right now, and when you need something right now. It costs more than it probably should. I mean, think about when there's a hurricane and you need to buy, you know, plywood to save your house or something. It's going to cost more than it would on normal times because you need it right now. So I think keep in mind and remember, and we talked about this at the time of the hiring or the signing, rather. We needed a left tackle badly. And remember how bad this offensive line was before. Remember the name Eric Flowers. We went from Eric Flowers' sieve of a left tackle to a guy who you just said is average to above average, who died and have a bad game. You know, if he continues the rest of the season to play below average and to the point of being poor, after this season, all of a sudden there's some more flexibility what you do with him, if you can release him or whatever. But let's not get crazy out there that thinking this is a bust contract or that he sucks or he's the reason why you know the, the price of tea in China is too high yeah exactly and and I'm gonna counter with another thing here um, I think that Nate Solder looked a little bit worse than he actually put or not not worse than he played because you know the result is what we saw but his his flaws were a little bit more exposed because uh, Saquon Barkley is out Wayne Gallman went out very early with a concussion, and now we have John Hillman back there, and I could see three, four, five different plays where I'm not sure that he really sat in the backfield long enough to decide who he was supposed to block before running out on a route. And I think on all of those plays, he should have been looking to his left to give a chip to Nate Solder's guy on all of them. And and that is what happens when you are in the situation you are where you have a practice squad running back coming in on his first year with this team and then in this offense does not know his blocking assignments right yeah let's remember let's remember something guys that we're at week five of this season and we've already gone through a stretch where we really didn't have one nfl wide receiver playing and now we don't have one nfl running back playing we have a quarterback who you know by our estimation wasn't planned to be the playing quarterback after week two. So there are a lot of, you know, you know, things that were this offense is pissing against the wind right now, you know, for, for personnel, both in experience, skill level, and just knowledge of the system. So you're going to see all sorts of just ugliness right now. And it's quite shocking that this offense at times doesn't look like what the Jets look like or something, just a complete inept offense. That being said, do you think it was a mistake only keeping Gallman and Barkley on the roster? Um, I mean, having a third running back is something, you know, it's hard to predict you're going to have both running backs go out like that. Um, you know, the expectation was Barkley would be the you know the bell cow and carry the the vast majority of of, of carries on this team and Gallman was a you know an acceptable backup to him. Um, I think once Barkley went down, I think maybe 
the search should have gone on for, you know, to pick up a journeyman or something just to have a, for an emergency. I think letting it go until, you know, all of a sudden now he's hurt. Now we're screwed is, is might, might be a little bit of a problem, but, uh, you know, we have to, we'll have to see how long, you know, Gallman is out. You know, when does Saquon actually do come back? I, mean, I doubt it's going to be this Thursday, but I would not be surprised, you know, after the, uh, the long break after the, uh, the Thursday game that he's back. So, and also you have these guys, you know, you're picking up what's the name from the practice squad. You know, the expectation is that, you know, it's kind of like standby. Yeah. Sure. You know, so you know, it, it, it's not like the minor leagues in baseball where you're sticking a 17 year old, you know, uh, shortstop from the Dominican Republic down there who needs four or five years of experience and, and training. I mean, Part of the practice squad is also a place you can kind of safeguard people that you are still interested in, but you can't commit to being on your regular roster. So while a practice squad practice squad running back is no Barkley, he shouldn't also be just the uh, the number ninety nine we saw for Tarpon Springs last weekend. I mean, I'll say it's a little bit negligent given that we have like five tight ends signed to the roster and only two running backs. All three, if you want to count Eli Penny, but you know, especially when Barkley got hurt, the, a move should have been made then. I, and if that move was just to promote Hillman and get him up to speed, then then that's that's fine if that's your decision. But I mean, it, I mean, it is what it is. If it if it is or isn't a self inflicted wound, then it's a it's a fairly minor wound in the uh, you know book of wounds. <laughs> It's not a reason why we're not going to make the playoffs this year is because of having to deal with a third string running back in weeks five and six when they're playing New England. Yeah. You know, if you had Saquon Barkley 100% healthy for Thursday against New England, we're not winning that game anyway. So let's kind of keep things in a little bit of perspective as well. Um, you know, you're talking about the roster construction. You know, there's five tight ends on this roster. I think this also might be a little time to talk about we may not have been mentioning it before in previous weeks, the fact we still have three quarterbacks on this roster. Yeah. You know, maybe the decision to keep Alex Tanny on this roster in, you know, in lieu of another running back might be something we may want to visit at, at this point. Yeah. And I think that's a fair point for people who want to complain about it at this point. Now, you know, it, it's pretty clear that the team is going to ride with Daniel Jones, unless he just falls off a cliff. He continues to look okay. I mean, you know, considering, what he was going up against, I think his throws were pretty much okay. Um, his movement in the pocket was pretty much okay. I mean, he's, he did the best he could. I, I didn't walk away from that game feeling like he cost us anything or he didn't play very well. Um, he just was okay. So I think it's pretty clear at this point that the, the team is sticking with him until he falls off a cliff. And, you know, if he does, you know, you have Eli Manning back there and you're still going to keep Jones behind him to continue to learn and get better. I think there's a fair fair call to not have Alex Tenney on the roster anymore you know that that's okay with me I I think Alex Tenney is on this roster for the post Eli Manning era that could be I think I think Alex Tenney now you know after this season will be in the system now for two solid years doesn't make a lot of money and you know if we're all assuming Eli's not going to be back next year for any capacity at all maybe Tenney's just the guy they want as just their backup you know they're comfortable with him and you know, you kind of, you know, and again, in a year, we're not going to be competing for anything. You know, you're going to sacrifice one roster spot, but then next year, you know, you have your starter in Jones, who's gone through a whole off season 
you have an experienced backup who's going to his third year into the system. So if Jones goes down for him at a time, they have more of a comfort level. So that might be why it's more like a, you can't stick on the practice squad, but you know, you just have to burn a roster spot for someone they feel has value. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. That's why I'm on this show. There you go. For the interesting thoughts. That and my, that and my good looks and my, my husky, my husky voice. And then you're getting carried away. Um, <laughs> the the offensive player that I think really is worth mentioning at all this week, for the most part, everybody played just okay. I think Shepard had a pretty okay game. Um, but I think Darius Slayton, again, is, is showing – just looking way better than I would have expected at this point in time. Um, on five targets, had four catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. His touchdown catch was – I mean, the throw, first of all, could not have been placed any better. It really – an inch in any other direction and it's a worse throw. Um, but his his ability to, to make that catch and running by Xavier Rhodes too. He wasn't running by the, the fourth corner on their roster. He's supposed to be the all-pro mm-hmm. on that team, him and Trey Waynes. They're, they're, they're supposed to be badass dudes and he ran right by him and made that catch. And that's one of those plays where you, you – know and you hope for the future is going to be bright where Daniel Jones can make that throw. Darius Slayton can make a move and get Jake free and catch a ball like that. The consistency from these things are going to have to happen more over time, but more experience and playing together and everything. But you at least see where the ceiling of this offense could eventually be as opposed to some quarterbacks and some wide receivers where this is what you're going to get. Um, let's backtrack for a second about Sterling Shepard. You know, another concussion. That's his second one this year. How worried are you about um, it? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm always worried when any concussion happens. First one, second one, first time ever. Uh, because you don't know. Because they could be out two days, ten days, three weeks. You know, it, I, I do get worried about them in general. This one is weird because he suffered it in-game. Um, he kind of hit his face on the ground trying to make a catch. His helmet was all cockeyed when he got up. He went back into the huddle, and then they stopped the play. Uh, they buzzed down and forced him into the medical tent, you know, as they do. And he passed. He came right out of there, went out there. And not only did he pass, he didn't look lost at all on the field. He looked okay then. It was when he went into practice this morning. Not practice, but they didn't practice today. But just the facility this morning. The, the Giants doctors felt that he was still showing signs and symptoms. Um, so given that, the fact that you know he didn't himself walk off the field, he didn't seem to be too concussed throughout the game, he seemed to go out there and continue to play well. Um, I know that that's not necessarily an indicator of anything, but I mean it didn't appear to be a major concussion to me. You know what I mean? Um but am I, I'm always worried. I'm always worried about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just, when I see multiple concussions happen in one year, I get very nervous. And uh, I don't know. I have to hope for the best for the guy, obviously for him personally. But uh, yeah, that could be a that could be a major problem going forward. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, especially since it didn't, like, if he took a real lick, then I could, you know get behind that but these seem to be little dings that he's coming up with concussions and that that worries me i guess i guess on, on a more humane level i should be happy that they're being identified now by the league and you know noticed and taken care of but uh i don't know i guess i'm a little bit more selfish than that 
Mm-hmm. So so that was it. You know, the Giants lost 28-10. They're a little bit lucky it wasn't more than that. And and to a certain extent, they played well in the red zone defensively to kind of keep it to that lower level. Um, but the offense just didn't show up when it needed to this week. Um, and they, did, they, did, they really didn't let Daniel Jones do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, I mean, we, we, we kind of, we knew there'd be games like this. I mean, it's the bottom line is, you know, you can say it very easily. You know, going to be bumps in the road. You're going to play a tough team like Minnesota. We're going to play New England next week. You got the Eagles coming up, but it's different. It's one thing to say, oh, they're going to struggle against these teams and then go through the next three hours of your life watching yeah. it, you know, and experiencing you know, the, the aggra- pain and aggravation of, you know, where we are right now, and this was one of those days. Well, I'll just say it like this. I would rather be losing 28-10 to 10 against Minnesota with a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, on the upswing, right? We feel good about this team knowing that there's bumps on the road. I'd rather have this situation than go from the offseason where you are the hyped-up team, you made all the acquisitions, and you'd be losing 28-3 to to San Francisco right now, like the Cleveland Browns are. So, Yeah. Well, you know, again, fortunately, maybe for this program, nobody thought we were a Super Bowl team and we hadn't proven anything yet. And, you know, having a, a mouthy quarterback doesn't all of a sudden make you a Super Bowl contender. So, yeah. So, you know, we are fortunate to be where we are. And, and the, the teams that are around the same record as the Giants can't say that they are trending in the up direction. You know, the, for the most part, they're either flatlining or trending down from where they were expected. So, you know, yeah. the, these are little things. They are moral victories, I guess. And they're, they're not as fun. But, you know, you take them when you get them. Yeah, just re- keep your focus and your expectations calibrated to what to expect from this team. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry about what Dallas did yesterday. Don't worry about well, Philly has a bye next week and then they're playing this. You know, just worry about how this team looks like it's getting better. You know, what are the things that are improving? What things are need to be, you know, looked at in the off season? What you know, things like that's more important right now. Yeah, hey, we're we're not firing our head coach already either. <laughs> we may not be in love with our head coach, but we're not firing him yet. No, that's for sure. It, that kind of ends our little discussion from last week, where you know, if Jay Gruden were to get fired, would you consider him offensive coordinator? Now it's now it's a real discussion for you know later on in the year. Yeah, and as we as we said last week, you know, that's going to be a decision that's going to be made by Mara and by Gettleman whether you know to make Pat Shermer relinquish play calling and then give him the keys to get an offensive coordinator that he likes. And, you know, and until upper management has a say, you know, Pat Shermer will continue the play, the play calling of this team. Yeah. But all that is, you know, way off in the future. In the more, you know, immediate future, we're going to record again. We're going to try to record something Wednesday night, you know, for this quick turnaround. Uh, I hope that comes to fruition. If not, there will be something. I might have to do it by myself. It may be which I'm sure is not yeah. as fun to listen to, but you know we'll we'll, we'll make sure that something <laughs> is available for you Thursday morning before the game, uh, Thursday night. Yeah, I am uh, I am flying back to New York City uh, Wednesday morning, so before I head off to uh, New Orleans in the LSU game the following weekend, so we, we will try to get something up for sure Wednesday night to be 
you know, um, in your feeds on Thursday morning. But if not, uh, the grump is very capable of carrying my absence. So. Yeah. So with that, I hope you guys are uh, still with me when I say go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.